Welcome to another episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories in them. And we are concluding our month of, of slasher movies, uh, Thomas. It's been, a, it's been a journey. Yeah. How's, how's your October, Hooptober, Spooktober going? It's going great. You know, I, I, I've been really branching out, um, especially thanks to Shudder and the Criterion channel for I feel like this year, especially. Yeah. And, you know, all these other streaming sites are really kind of featuring horror as well. It is a it is a great it's a great Halloween to to be exploring. But, um, you know, last year, my my Spooktoberfest kind of took on body horror overall because that's what we were covering and and and, and I've, I've watched a good bit of slashers but i've also just kind of been watching whatever has sparked my interest yeah. and it has been a, a a great journey i've really found some some great gems uh i recommended some of them over on our, our patreon episode and there's yeah there's been a lot of good stuff check out my letterbox list i've been reviewing everything that i've yes, watched which yes. is which is rare for me but um you know, I, I had a lot of people reach. When I told people I was doing this uh, this year, they were like, well, you got to let me know which ones are good. And I was like, just follow me on Letterboxd. I'm not going to text like I'm not going to sit down after every movie and text like five people separately and be like, I like There's this a group one. text. Um, yeah. Thomas's recommends. Yeah, I like that you're writing more. I always I always like hearing your seeing your thoughts uh, on something, especially if it's one that we've both watched recently and seeing how they correlate or how they <laughs> how they differ. But yeah. Um, also, I'll show this out early on. We uh, we got a new review on our site. I don't know if you can see it in America, but we got a review from Australia. We're getting really big in Australia, it feels like, Thomas. Specifically because of our Peter Weir episodes. I was about to say, I love Australian <laughs> cinema, so there we go. Um, we, got, we got a review from... Uh, I want to feel good today. It says, a dream come true. Go, Peter. I'm listening to part three of Peter Weir, who is my favorite director. You're giving him the attention he deserves. He does have the ability to create dreamlike experiences. It's like after a movie, you wait you wait to wake up. A few years ago, I read some reviews about Peter, and one guy made an interesting observation that made me it made him feel uncomfortable at some level, that all Peter's films are, being, are about being manipulated or influenced, either good or bad. That's why his movies get into your head. That's an interesting observation. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Glad I'm. I'm always glad to hear from another another weirdo. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> the term I, I coined for for Peter Weir fans. I mean, honestly, go back and listen to that whole month we did on Peter Weir. Yeah. Uh, honestly, pound for pound, I, I truly believe Peter Weir is my favorite director. Uh, just such an incredible catalog of films, and and you know, as we started exploring things that month, like he was saying mm -hmm. in his review, there's there's so many themes that just move throughout his entire filmography that is something incredible yeah for for a director who's worked as long as peter weir has but um but yeah thanks for thanks for listening to the episode and i'm glad glad he's getting the recognition he deserves yeah, that's, that's like our second or third review specifically about the peter weir series so yeah. go it's it's crazy I, i've talked to so many people and they're like who's your favorite director and i'm like peter weir and they're like who's yeah. that i'm like master and commander dead poet society witness yeah. Truman yeah. Show. They're like the same guy directed all those movies. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, and I and I like all of our director episodes because I think we we gain an appreciation for each director when we spend, even if it's just like the one big episode we might do, but even just, I mean, mm -hmm. but the but the big month that we've done, we've done Kubrick, we've done Del Toro, we've done Tony Scott. Um, Peter Weir was uh, was back in March of 2021. So episodes 151 through 154. So go check them out if you can. Uh, and we do that kind of periodically every every few months. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for the review. Uh, 
if you haven't already, we'll mention this at the end of the show, but if you haven't already, be sure to give us a review um, five stars because that helps spread the word. Um, and we really appreciate hearing from you all. Um, so yeah, so let's dive into our final episode of this month. And so Thomas, what have we discussed so far about the slasher genre? Well, we discovered, I think something that kind of surprised both of us is we, we really discovered that in America and in Italy, which is where the slasher is kind of known to hail from is those two countries Mm -hmm. is they, they both evolved from, from detective stories. You know, we talked about how much Psycho is like a detective noir in, until it's not. Yeah. And and the same thing obviously happened with Giallo, which literally is a reference to that uh, genre evolving from detective stories. So, you know, at the at the, at the beginning of the month, I was kind of like, yeah, they, they kind of some of them have like mysteries. But I think what we're finding is like the mystery aspect is more closely woven into the DNA of these films than 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 we yeah. thought. Uh, and 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 even in the films where the killer's not a mystery, there tends to be some kind of mystery about their motivations or something like that, which I think we're going to see a little bit of today. It's just something very unique about our movie today. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, we talked about the evolution of the kills. You look at these early slasher films and it's like, oh, maybe you've got three kills and then you get up to it you know i just watched halloween kills and and i think he's got at least two dozen murders in in that movie it's it's kind of turned into this competition of like how many people can can my slasher kill and in what kind of crazy ways uh can i do it and and i think you, you start to see kind of the evolution of like oh can i push gore as far as i can and some of the modern ones you also see like how can I tie it into the story, which is which I think is kind of fun yeah. when you have a storyteller and it's kind of tongue in cheek, and they're like, "Oh, this character's death has to do with with something in their life," which you, you get a lot. I feel like in you know like the Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. it's it's manipulating your greatest fears and and nightmares to then kill you. Um, so so people get creative with them. It's not it's not all stabby stabby anymore. You know you gotta you gotta step it up and like Scream Two or whatever, where it's like the the names of each person is like the name of the previous a previous victim in the first mm-hmm. scream which is basically they're 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 essentially doing a copycat killer essentially with scream too yeah and, he, and even that you know that's 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 very agatha christie yeah. in it yeah. all like they're, they're I, I really think the the kind of detective dna is is woven through these a lot a lot more than i expected when we started getting into yeah it. and 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 if it's not detective stuff, as we've kind of said before, it's like it's explore. It's uh, the questions of the lore, like you said, like what, who the, like who is Freddy or whatever. And and sometimes what you'll see in a lot of like slasher sequels is they and they try to expand the lore in the sequel. So if it's mm. the original mm-hmm. Halloween series, where like oh, it's because Michael is Laurie's brother, and that's why he's after oh, and her. And then there's this cult, and they all worship Michael. Yeah. And, uh, got... is, that, is, that, which one was, is that five or six? That's the that's Paul Rudd that's one. I think that's one. six. Like Curse yeah. of Michael Myers? They're, they're trying to sacrifice uh, Michael's daughter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is played by... It's, like, it's Daniel Harris in four and five, and then it's a different actress mm-hmm. in six. Um, yeah. But yeah, you have that, or you expand more on like if it's Freddy or whatever, or how to... Like I really love. I mean, we'll probably talk about some more about movies that uh, we didn't discuss this month. But like Dream Warriors is a movie I love from the Nightmare series, the third, mm-hmm. where it like kind of expands on what you can do in a dream and and kind of the 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 rules of that world. Um, 
And, or you have uh, Chucky starting a, a baby doll family, which is a, a series that's always been very, very tongue in cheek. Yes. But, um, you know, they, they just kind of keep keep raising the ridiculous stakes on, on those as, as they go. Like, I mean, it's and it's I mean, how many how many Chucky movies there have been? There have been. Well, now they're on the, the show, which is doing which is very has been very well critically yeah. received. They're on their second season. Well, that's of good. The TV well, I remember show. Like, they had the show coming out and the movie that were not related, but the same yes. character. Yeah, they had the reboot the reboot movie, but then not long before that, they had Cult of Chucky, which was a sequel. Yeah. And then they tried to reboot it, and everybody's like, "No, we don't want the gritty reboot. Keep keep it going." Like as like in the I know the TV show has Jennifer Tilly and yeah. all that kind of the crazy lore going for it. Yeah, still. The, the other one was was uh, was it Aubrey Plaza that was in it was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was um, yeah. was that one Child's Play is what it was officially? Is that yeah? yeah that one was a, a full Child's Play reboot, yeah. and they didn't without Brad Dorif, but Brad Dorif is doing the TV show. Okay, it's, yeah, it's funny you bring that name up now. Um. He, he might be mentioned later i will say um <laughs> love brad Dorf. yeah but yes yeah, so that's how we discussed and today i think we're talking about a movie that we've built towards like we've talked about more mm-hmm. like the early dna of the slasher and then we kind of talked the big boom with texas chainsaw massacre last week and then we do a, we've done a big jump to literally what a what some would say a modern slasher is or could be um yeah and the big jump is partially on purpose because yes. it went through a real rough patch for a while there. Yeah, well, you have different, and what, I guess we tell us here is like it's like after the seven, you had the big boom in the seventies, and when you get into the eighties, you get kind of the sometimes tr- it's like everyone's trying to like have their own slasher in some way, where it's like mm-hmm. okay, you have Halloween because ha- and Halloween's like you could say it's somewhat of a take on Black Christmas because I, I think that was one thing where they're like they wanted to do horror films set around a holiday or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's how Halloween was started. And then you have, but then you have something like, like My Bloody Valentine, which is set around Valentine's Day. Um, or you have like, I think they did Prom Night because they wanted to set around some sort of event, a horror round of event. And so you have that in the 80s. And then by early 90s, you have like the burnout of the genre. And then you have the, uh, I think, kind of the rejuvenation of the genre with Scream mm-hmm. and the kind of like and then and then we burn out we again, burn out again <laughs> and it becomes by the 2000s it becomes like the remakes of those 80s the the the, the gritty, gritty remakes, remakes the 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 halloween the rob zombie halloween the, the Night- house of yeah. wax the friday the 13th nightmare on elm street, nightmare on elm well, street I, I, the very bad prom night yeah, remake. I, I distinctly remember who's with britney snow who's also in this movie today um I just remember when Nightmare on Elm Street came out with Jackie Earl Haley, which I've I've not seen, but I just remember when it came out, how I had a lot of friends that were upset because they're like, I like Freddy because he's jokey and he doesn't make any mm-hmm. jokes in this movie. Like it was just like people, I don't know, people were really down with that because it, it's 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 hard when like, from my perspective, I view it as when you're making a gritty gritty remake of a movie that's already about killing. It's it's somewhat like that's a hard task to do. It's like it's mm-hmm. just it becomes very brutal, and sometimes you might like it, uh, and sometimes it might be reappraised. Like I think a lot of zo- I think zombies Halloweens right now are being reappraised by a group of people um, because of these recent Halloween movies. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and then now you're kind of in a very new era of slasher horror. I mean, horror as as a whole has evolved a lot over time with the idea of elevated horror and right now i don't want to dive too much into because you'll probably mention it, but like x feels like 
some sort of a answer to the elevated horror genre. Yes, 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 yes. Well, to to start our story, I'll I'll, I'll do our intro to X. But to start our story, we with our little recap of the slasher genre. Let's let's leave off around like two thousand eight when we have remade every horror movie known to man, uh, including a, a big string of of English remakes of Japanese horror films. Everything we're, we're literally we've scraped the bottom of the barrel and my bloody Valentine 3D and there's there's nothing left to do, which is where we'll pick our story up. Mm-hmm. But uh, today we'll be talking about X it was released this year. Is this our most recent film we've ever it's, done? I think so. Uh, I think it's the first time we've actually as a solo episode covered a movie in the same year it came out. Came out this spring in 2022. It's about a uh, plucky crew of Houston sex workers who venture out to a remote farm to shoot the next great porn flick, but they soon incur the wrath of the farm's elderly residents. Cast is, I mean, this is literally just the entire cast. Mia Goth, Brittany Snow, Jenna Ortega, Kid Cudi, Martin Henderson, Stephen Ure, and Owen Campbell. It was written, directed, and edited by Ty West with music by Tyler Bates and cinematography by Elliot Rocket. So, Brandon was. I know you did the double feature yeah, last yeah. night. Was that your Was that your first time watching? That was, that was X my first time well? watching X as well, uh, along along okay. with Pearl. Mm-hmm. So that's what's your history with Ty West? If 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 your history with X is is literally just last night? Do you have you seen any of his other films? Are you familiar with? I'm them? familiar with Ty West. This is my first Ty West film. The first Ty West films, okay. though. Um, I I know right. about the Innkeepers, and I know about House of the Devil. I feel like this is one. I'll tell you this to go to reach real, real far back. I feel like way back in the day when we had our our publication on Medium, which is still around, we just don't add anything to it. Um, we had like a thing where it's like, uh, who's a director you would want to see do a, a a Star Wars movie or a franchise movie or whatever? And I think someone picked Ty West, and that was my first time hearing of Ty West. And I'm like, mm. I still think that was the best choice for like a Star Wars movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if he'd be on board. Yeah, I don't think that, it would but. be either. But I mean, maybe I mean, could Ty West do like an alien type movie? Like, 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 not alien, but like a Star Wars movie that's a horror film. I don't know. I don't know because I what I know about him because I think you watched the Innkeepers and talked about it with me about how like it felt like it was it was taking stuff from other haunted house movies. I think you talked about there was like yeah. a scene that was like almost directly lifted from the changeling or whatever yes yes um yes. which like the ball rolling or something is what it was which is like been mm-hmm. in a lot of haunted house movies so what i what i gather from ty west coming in is that he's someone who is kind of seeped in cinematic like lore and history in some way and specifically mm-hmm. genre um and so coming into it i knew that x and pearl for that matter um what were all how we're full of homages to um or tributes to older films either in the horror genre with x or really just hollywood cinema as a whole with pearl mm-hmm. um so that's yeah. why i kind of knew coming into it and i and I, here's something about x too like i had heard people who were like oh this is like a good slasher film you should go see and then i had some people i know who were like hated this movie outright and were like this is not where the genre should be or whatever so it, it mm-hmm. was like mixed coming in. So I wasn't entirely sure. Was I going to like it? Was I going to hate it? I don't tend to hate movies, but I wasn't going to not like it as much is the thing. That was what I was worried about coming in. 
All right. Well, we'll delve into it and see and see what the yeah, verdict yeah. was. So, so like you said, Ty West has been a name that's kind of floated around horror for a while. It's it's interesting to kind of look back at the the landscape of horror. Like I said, around like two thousand eight, it was just like everyone was burned out. Yeah. Studios had had made every horror movie they could think of, and nobody knew really where to go. And so I was reading a lot of publications. I used to have like a weekly subscription to entertainment weekly mm-hmm. in college. Like I'd keep up with variety and all that kind of stuff. And I knew even before I'd seen any of his movies, I knew Ty West was this like indie horror golden boy. Yeah. Um, he, he earned a reputation in the late two thousands, early 2010s as this guy who was just kind of out to like bring back classic horror mm-hmm. He had House of the Devil in 2009, which was a throwback to 1980s horror films. It was shot on 16 millimeter and kind of captured that satanic panic energy and psychological thriller vibes of of 80s classics. Um, That was just his second film. He had written and directed in the same year, uh, or not written, he had directed and then disowned uh, Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. Uh, but, But between that coming out and then House of the Devil in the same year, everybody was like, Ty West, this guy is is the future of horror. He gets it. He's kind of taken us back back to the basics. Uh, so with everything that's happened in the past eight years or so with A24, with Jordan Peele, with Ari Aster, with Jason Bloom, it can be hard to remember kind of just how hopeless it, it felt at that time. So Because uh, Jason Blum was like just starting to come up around that time as well, which is crazy to, to think about how much the landscape yeah, has changed because it was it was really then. paranormal activity that broke jason blum out like it was uh mm-hmm. um because i remember talking with katie featherston back in the day of like how i think he just picked that movie out up and like this could be something big and essentially became the the if you're talking about uh nightmare on elm street as the house that freddie built with new line cinema i would say paranormal activity is the, the what what built uh blum house uh at the very beginning mm-hmm. so yeah, so that, around that time, you've got Blumhouse coming up. He's starting to do uh, Blum's starting to do his stuff with James Wan. Mm-hmm. You've got kind of that that rise of James Wan doing American horror cinema, and so it was really like West and Wan at that time, like 2010, 2011. They were like the only hope for horror at that point. Mm-hmm. So West followed up House of the Devil with another critically acclaimed micro budget chiller, 2011's The Innkeeper, which enjoyed a solid run on early netflix streaming that was one of those i remember yeah. in college everybody was like you seen the innkeepers i was like no they're like it's like the only horror movie on netflix right now <laughs> <laughs> like you gotta watch it and so it's also weird like it's it's so funny to me it doesn't feel that long ago but like when, you, when you're looking back at what was going on and especially an in independent film at that time pre pre a24 yeah. like we said west kind of threw in with with a bunch of mumblecore directors yeah. which is also like a like a dead genre yeah now, yeah <laughs> Um, but he got to be friends with Joe Swanberg at that time, Alex Ross Perry. They've continued to collaborate kind of throughout. But then, like you said, horror trends were rocked again by the success of Paranormal Activity franchise. So Wes tried his hand at found footage, mm-hmm. first with a segment in the first installment of the VHS anthology series. Then with his 2013 feature, The Sacrament, which was a found footage take on like a Jim Jones-esque Jonestown massacre happening. Speaking of paranormal activity, in the mid-2010s, Wes crossed paths with Jason Blum. The two collaborated on a film written and directed by West and produced by Blum, two of the biggest people in horror at that time. So, of course, they got together and they made a Western. 
I, I, I did see this last night and I was like, oh, that's an interesting. Yeah. Swerve. In the Valley of Violence, starring Ethan Hawke and John Travolta. Uh, it's still kind of unclear what prompted. They don't talk about it a lot. No one knows what kind of prompted them to make a Western. Uh, but audiences were just as confused as well. Absolutely no one came to see it. And the movie closed with just $62,000 worldwide. Oh, man. That's yeah. rough. That's that's right. I mean, it it what was the critical response for it? It didn't get bad reviews. It's it's a it's the seventy seven on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So I guess it's worth, uh, it's worth. I mean, it's it's anything's worth right now, but it's worth checking out. Yeah, and Ethan, it, Ethan Hawk, Ethan Hawk in the West. I you know I'll check out either. He's way. always great. And, yeah, and it says uh, the, the 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 consensus is that it offers a smartly conceived homage to classic westerns that transcends pastiche with absurdist humor and a terrific cast. So yeah, that sounds guess, good to me. I guess I'll watch this in November once I'm <laughs> done with all my uh, October stuff. So after the release of in the Valley of violence, Wes was kind of partially sentenced to movie jail for a little while. You got to do penance after a bomb like that, but he was also really intrigued by the throwback horror movement movement, making its way to television. So he moved to TV, directing dozens of episodes for shows like MTV had the Scream reboot yep. at the time. Uh, Fox had a very well received Exorcist reboot that he worked mm -hmm. on for a while. Oh yeah, I forgot that was that was yeah, I remember that. So he ultimately spent ten years away from feature filmmaking, working in TV. But he started to think about how he could return to horror filmmaking, and you know, kind of like us, he's someone who thinks in in genres and subgenres. Yeah. And so the first thought that came to him was, I've never made a slasher. I've done kind of a demonic thriller. I've done a haunted house movie. I've never done a slasher. So that's that's just where he started. Yeah. And so his next idea was, well, what if you made a slasher that was set on a film set? And then he said, but you know what? I'm not going to have it set during the production of a horror film because that, that's just too meta. So obviously yeah, yeah. He, he hadn't seen uh urban legend 2 final yeah, I was, cut. Uh, yeah, yeah I, was, I was like urban legend final cut so he started thinking about well what type of production would fit well with the slasher genre so i have a quote from him that says slasher movies have always been seen as sort of this lowbrow sex and violence kind of subgenre mm -hmm. and so i was thinking in the 1970s adult filmmaking and horror filmmaking were not that different they have kind of a symbiotic relationship they were made outside of the system they could go direct to consumers via drive-ins or grindhouse theaters or adult theaters and eventually VHS. So I thought making a movie about people making an adult movie would satisfy what I was trying to get after bringing an audience into the filmmaking process. Yeah. And you're also going to time too when like both Halloween and like adult films are becoming mainstream mm -hmm. is the thing. And so you have like, it's it's like Debbie Does Dallas, which is mentioned I think several times in this, or or Deep Throat or whatever. We're like those are like playing in like and some of those will play like in like big theaters weirdly mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and then you have it's because this is in seventy nine, so you have Halloween seventy eight. So like horror and porn films are becoming part of the pop culture conversation at that mm -hmm. point, and you could see someone who's being a filmmaker talking about story wise who's like i want to make one of those because i saw john carpenter do it or i saw this person do it i saw uh this porn director do it mm -hmm. uh i want to make my own and that's what it feels like here with these characters yeah yeah De lot, lots of references to debbie does dallas uh, yeah. that was that was one of his big influences he also quoted um 
he said Tulane Blacktop was a big inspiration for the the look oh, of it. Oh wow, yeah, and that I mean that makes sense. That's around that period, and it's it's a it's kind of a this is not really a road trip movie, but that's kind of a Tulane. It's Tulane's a very road trip, but also weirdly like it's like it's 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 a I don't want to say acid infused road trip because it's not, but it's very like uh um it's odd. It's just mm-hmm. a little off kilter like everyone like i think everyone's names are like driver or gto like mm-hmm. it's all different like kind of almost surreal in a weird way yeah and then obviously texas chainsaw massacre was a huge influence yeah. he also said he, he looked a lot to don't look now as being you know that kind of yeah. don't look now was this very sensational film because it was horror and sex and, yeah. and leaned into both uh so well yeah so he found himself able to pay homage to a genre he loved as well as a period of filmmaking and the process of filmmaking in general. Mm-hmm. With the script done, he sent it to A24, a studio that had ri- risen to prominence while he was in the TV world. He had never said he had never really heard from them. They they weren't in talks at all, but he came away with this horror script and he's like, who do I send this to? I guess A24. Not yeah. sure how his relationship with Jason Blum is after, after, yeah, after <laughs> the Valley of Bones. So he just sent it to A24 with a note that said, look, no one's read this. No one even knows I wrote it. But like, if you dig it, maybe this would make sense to be a movie. Yeah. I I read an interview with him where the interviewer was like, well, weren't you a little afraid to send this movie to A24 because they have this reputation as like an art house horror film? Like, like they do these very like elevated horror and you had just written this like bare bones 1970 slasher. Did you think they'd like turn it down? And he was like, I didn't even think about that like yeah. the but he said my answer to that is like the subject matter might not be art house horror but i always intended the filmmaking process to be art house i wanted to like create this 1970s film i wanted it to look as much like a 70s film as possible i wanted all these references so like that that felt artsy enough to me and so a24 got the script and they they flipped out they said absolutely let's do it let's go so they start on the casting process. Uh, they they pluck Mia Goth out of the 2018 Suspiria remake, where she had a very breakout kind of supporting role. They're like, she's she's the one. Uh, she's she's going to do double duty as our final girl and our slasher. I don't know if that counts as a spoiler. I know a lot of people who like who were like, oh my god, I didn't realize it was her until the final credits. But yeah, it's her. She's she's playing two characters. Yeah. So then they start looking to shoot in Texas in early 2020. <laughs> Hit a little bit of a speed what, bump. What, ha- what happened there, Thomas? <laughs> uh, there was a global <laughs> pandemic. And so uh, everything was shutting down in America. And they said it really started to look like this movie just wasn't going to happen at all. Yeah. Um, but then Wes got a call. Someone at A24 had the scoop. New Zealand had zero COVID cases. They were still yeah. open to production. And James Cameron's Avatar sequels had just gone down on hiatus. And so his whole crew was available for work. Wow. So uh, West and the cast <laughs> packed up, headed to New Zealand, did two weeks of, of uh, quarantine in a hotel room. And then with started out with the incredible opportunity to shoot this like little indie horror film with a just incredible crew. So, yeah, yeah. And like a crew that's also like been working together for literal, literal years <laughs> yeah. um, with the Avatar sequels. That's yeah. Well, because so, so they never shot anything in Texas. They mm-hmm. just like okay. Yeah, they hadn't they hadn't gotten there yet. So everything, 
everything is uh new zealand based so yeah and i know yeah i know new zealand at that point you said like as i know like thor love and thunder yeah went down there was our well, i think it was already down there but they were i remember like hearing natalie Portman like oh yeah we're we're here we're just shooting the movie like no big deal everyone else like still at home not going outside she's yeah like there's been like three covid cases this past month in the entire country or whatever so yeah, yeah they good. really stepped up their borders they stepped up their quarantine uh requirement and yeah people yeah. were really able to to keep shooting there so yeah definitely at that point yeah yeah so brandon what are some what are some of your favorite scenes from from x it's fresh in mind it's fresh in mind um i mean for one i like the vibe of it i like oh, yeah. I, I like the style of it like it's, it's a fun movie it's it's like, a fun it's movie got this think, energy yeah. throughout that's just yeah. yeah and it's interesting one thing i noticed pretty early on again talking about homages to other movies the one i don't i don't think i've read anyone kind of mentioned this he takes a an editing technique from easy rider in this movie oh that cutting back and forth that to cutting the next back scene. and forth yeah, yeah kind of, I, was, I was like where have i seen this before and then i was like oh i want i was like oh it's easy rider because easy rider and and it's 10 years before but easy rider does kind of like usher in help usher in this new era of filmmaking in the 70s mm-hmm. so, but it's in like 68 69 um i think 69 um and so like it's it's kind of ushering in that like what is happening for this new decade so i could see him taking that and putting it in this and it's usually at like very key moments in the movie which is what easy rider does as well um so i i like that and what he's doing with the style there um i mean to jump in terms of like where you kind of first i guess scare or realize that something is wrong outside the opening like cold open where they find all the bodies at mm-hmm. the house or whatever it's when maxine meets pearl mm-hmm. um and it's also the it's the intercutting between that and like the sex the, them shooting the sex scene in the barn mm-hmm. um and you can just tell something is off with the people who who uh own this this own this land basically yeah um but yeah i i like I, and so like, but i like i like the i mean again mia goth playing two characters and like playing two the same two characters in the same scene and it doesn't feel like the same person oh yeah like you, she's you could, you could easily have no idea and and yeah. that's a tribute to her performance and to the editing and yes and, and pulling that off um you, you can't see the strings like yeah and the prosthetics are great prosthetics are great like if, if you like you could easily fool someone and even I'm, I'm i'm like is it like gonna be a big reveal later on that it's the same person and it's really not they don't <laughs> make like because i was expecting like some sort of like supernatural element coming into this because i had heard that she's played she plays two characters i'm like oh that's mm-hmm. interesting but it's yeah. really just it just feels like a, oh yeah let's just do that yeah and i i, I ultimately i think it's kind of the explanation for for pearl's obsession with maxine and she keeps being like that one's that one's special, that one's special. I, I want that one and it's and it's because she truly sees herself in in maxine to, down yeah. to the point where it looks just like her yeah um you know i think i think the funny thing about that sequence too i, I noticed watching it this past time is he raises the tension because at that point you're 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 scared of howard like howard is the threat he's the one with the gun and he said you know my wife's very feeble like i'm just looking out for her and so howard feels like the threat and and so he's raising the tension because 
Maxine's in the house and and you're like, I get out of that house before Howard gets back. And then every time you cut back to the to the porn, you're like, oh, you better get out of here before my daddy catches you. Like, don't want the farmer to catch you with his daughter. And so, I mean, it's like it's a porn. No one no one's ever been uh no one's ever had tension in the in the plot of a of a porn, a porn film, but yeah. but it does kind of because they're always reminding you every time that you cut back to the porn is like yeah. oh, the farmer's going to get home and he's going to be mad and you're like oh yeah. yeah Howard Howard's coming home and he's he's going to be mad and so here I, I don't miss to bring this up but like do you think watching Pearl beforehand takes that tension away or does it add tension yeah I, I I think I think you should start with X but i mean that's also like in a vacuum like like you know when you talk about watching star wars and it's like well the perfect way to watch it is in a vacuum where you don't know that that darth vader is is luke's father but it's like you know in 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 a perfect world where you don't know that pearl exists you know where obviously if you know that there's another movie called pearl then i think you're gonna realize that that pearl is the ultimate villain in this one but yeah. Uh, in a world where you don't know that exists, I do think there's this tension where it, at first you're like, oh, she's just this this sad, sick old lady who's been locked up here by her controlling husband. I, I will say this. I feel like if you're looking for tension, it's best to watch X first and Pearl. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for the complexity of a character and how a character develops... I think it's Pearl than X mm-hmm. because Pearl sets it's it's what Pearl does brief kind of snaps on that is like it sets up who Pearl was at a young age where she wanted to be a star very similar to Maxine she wanted to get out of her town she wanted to do these things uh and the, she's a very conservative family and she wants to be a dancer in the movies or on like a, a traveling show basically and spoiler alert as you know from x she doesn't really get to do that you'll find <laughs> out why i'm pearl so why watching pearl than x when she's talking about she's special she's special she you start now seeing her see herself and maxine yeah and a much stronger point of view basically yeah. a stronger perspective on that yeah and you and, know there's all these these themes about aging and and youth versus uh old age but there's also when you watch the two of them together there's this duality of ambition because in in x pure blind ambition is what keeps maxine alive yes Uh, and in pearl it's what breaks what drives her yeah yeah, drives her insane basically yeah it it breaks her Yeah, yeah um and and so yeah it's very interesting of like what what the obsession of becoming a star in both these very key moments in time in a way it's like in pearl it takes place in like 1919 and at that point it's hollywood is 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 still like a wild west basically and you're just now starting to see it in these small towns of like oh you can be a movie star and this is a period in say 1919 when you're starting to see those young people who want to move out to hollywood and be an actor where they're coming Mm -hmm. from the midwest they're coming from uh, these places that are small towns, basically. Um, and it's at that same exact period. And so, like, Pearl, if she wasn't blonde, or if she wasn't <laughs> a brunette instead of a blonde or whatever, she could have she could have possibly been somebody, essentially. Um, but it didn't happen. And with X, yeah, you're seeing Maxine. Like, I think, I think what's the opening line? She's like, I, I, I'm a fucking star, is what she says, or whatever. Yeah, or a sex symbol. Yeah, like, she kind of, like, said, I will like, not she, accept a life I do not deserve. Yeah, and so that's and so 
when watching Pearl beforehand, it does you see the battle between those two in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I do think if you watch X first over Pearl, you get the tension and the suspense of like what's going to happen. Um, if you're listening to this episode, we've already spoiled enough, so pick <laughs> however you want to watch it. Um, but yeah, what's what's another scene for you? We talked about the Maxine being Pearl. I, what's the- I, I really like the, the kind of... Uh- scene when they're all sitting around after the, sh- the shooting having a beer and, and yes. you get that kind of the thesis of of the porn you get you mm-hmm. get uh you you get every wayne's kind of viewpoint on it you get uh what's what's britney Sto- it's 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 a hyphen bobby lynn you bobby get bobby lynn, lynn's yeah. thoughts on it and and everyone's kind of in this philosophical battle about like yeah. sex and, and 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 purity with um with the church mouse, with the 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 girlfriend Gen- who's Gen- come Ortega, out, yeah. and is Jen Ortega's yeah. character, who's who's Lorraine, I think, yeah. has come out and is like very uncomfortable with all of this. Then you get the you get uh, Kid Cudi and Britney Snow collaborating on a on a cover of Landslide. <laughs> you get that like split screen editing yeah. between the two of them, and have like a really sad moment with with Pearl, like really tragic, kind of like look at what Pearl's life has become. And um, and then that leads right into the, Lorraine wants to do a scene in the film and it just like sends the her director RJ. boyfriend yeah yeah R J and like no like this this and, and that's and it also had that scene afterwards where he's like talking to uh, um, Jackson where he's just like she's not like those girls she's a nice girl or whatever and mm-hmm. Jackson's like hold on what what, what are you talking oh, that's, about that's, here? yeah that's with with with, with Wayne yeah that's Wayne, a sorry, great, Wayne yeah that's a, that's a great he's like as someone who's had three wives let me tell you but uh he gives like a, he's like she's she, if she's made her mind up she's gonna do it either way you just get yeah, to yeah. decide if you want to still be with her when she's done or not yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but no I, I agree I that was saying I wrote down because you you that kind of sequence of like discussions of like what sex is or what's what love is and how like and like and Lorraine is very much this young kind of innocent in a way where she thinks like if you're having sex you should always like be in love or whatever and then and then yeah it is that kind of conversation of like what is it all like like we're good like everything's fine like sometimes we have sex sometimes mm-hmm. we don't sometimes it's for love sometimes it's not um and yeah that landslide because i think one of the reviews you sent like wasn't a fan of that la- of that sequence it felt like <laughs> every interview i read with ty west they asked they were like what's up with that why'd you just insert like a landslide sequence he was like i don't know. i wrote it in the script that was always what i wanted to do well it it when you think of landslide it's like it's a it's like it's i think that's a song about like a passage of time and mm-hmm. like how what life has become and how you face your like the struggles in your life in some way um and and we watch we watch it from the perspective of like say uh maxine it's the it's the upward i guess like journey if that makes mm-hmm. sense and then for and then for pearl it's the like it's the looking back on what what she was at one point and like that what she's become now mm-hmm. is the thing and that's where i think that's where like when talking about blend blending the two kind of characters I think that sequence is what kind of brings them together because mm-hmm. she's looking back on how ambitious she once was when Maxine is, is looking ahead in some, in some yeah. way. And, and we're uh, literally bringing them together with that kind of 70 split screen yeah. editing. Exactly. But yeah. I think, I think, you know, that that's, that's one of the strengths of this movie is it is a very good cast. Yes, and so I cast. think it is, it's nice that they have this kind of sit, sit and dialogue, well-written dialogue scene. You yeah. don't always get that in a slasher like they're not no. they're not just there to all be scream queens 
I mean, we, we talked about that with Psycho, where it's like, how many times do you see, like, we're going to put these actors down for 10 minutes, let's let them talk. Like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, usually a rarity in a movie that's about, like, killing and and how what what's the what's the body count basically yeah and and you know we we touched we touched on it with the house that screamed it's horror is this weird genre that that will show very explicit sex and then and then like punish all of the characters yeah for it immediately and and it, to get a, a sex positive horror movie is is feels very refreshing i mean yes ultimately <laughs> a lot of these people are killed but um it's not it's not because you know they're we we're, we're fully viewing them as 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 innocents there's yeah. no kind of like comeuppance in 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 any of their murders no yeah well i think too, it's like talking about the idea of like sex positive with this it's like pearl is basically seeing the the youthfulness of these characters and wishing she had it like she basically mm-hmm. keeps like going to howard like yo can we like basically can we have sex he's like my heart my heart can't my take heart. it my heart what about um, my heart yeah, and she just like she wants to like, and so like really like a lot like the the, the killing stuff is just like mainly, mainly because they don't they say no to her is kind of the thing. Like mm-hmm. she she basically makes a pass at every kid, like, at least the, I think RJ, RJ. Yeah. and even Maxine. I think mm-hmm. she makes passes at them, but is is she's turned down, and that's what kind of prompts uh, the kind of spiral. Bobby Lynn, way. she's just over from the start because she doesn't like blondes. Yep. Yeah, Bobby Lynn was doomed. Doomed from the doomed. start. Um, yeah, she's, she's, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't like blondes. And yeah, it, it, but yeah, but yeah, then we get the at first kill, which similar to Psycho, similar to I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the ki- the first kill happens halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's very late in the game, and at this point, he's already name checked. <laughs> some of these movies mm-hmm. you know uh, psycho's been like like literally at that point when 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 uh when lorraine's like well you like psycho don't you i'm like, not making that kind of movie that I'm was a making, mcguffin yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you can just change it up um and yeah and there, it's it, it, I, I was wondering coming into it, how, what the psycho references were and there was there is that reference but there's also the reference of like the car going into the lake a mm-hmm. lot of the time, which happens in Pearl too, which yeah. is very much Norman Bates and Psycho. Um, but yeah, the first kill, which is, and the, so this was coming to this movie after watching all these older slashers and the idea of like not showing the violence and not mm-hmm. showing the gore. It was a, it's a stark contrast because mm-hmm. X is basically like, I'm, we're going to make a movie that's from the 1970s, but instead of like hiding the gore, we're gonna give you all of it, yeah. like, like just the simple as like the guy step, like his foot stepping on the nail. Where I'm like, are we gonna cut away? Are we gonna <laughs> cut away? And then just like, nope, we're gonna see it, him step on this nail. Mm-hmm. Um, as simple as that. Or that's it's the it's an axe hitting Jen Ortega's hand when she's in the when she's like locked in the door. It's 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 very brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking in comparison to like what the genre started off as in terms of how to hide it to not work not get like a a, a, a nc or x rating or whatever now it's out in the open basically mm-hmm. so that's kind of interesting to see that like again that stark contrast yeah. between these eras um another scene i really like that's not necessarily a kill is um i just really like when when jackson the kid cuddy character yeah. goes with howard to find 
to try and find Pearl because he's just a good dude. Like, yeah. He's he's you know he comes out and he's like, "What's up, man?" What's, and he's what, like, yeah. "He's like my wife. She might be down right. by the pond." He's like, "All right, let me go grab my clothes. I'm I'm in. We'll we'll find her. Like, don't worry." Like you know, this guy's been like rude to him the whole time. We we learn he's a former marine and he's just like this old lady might be in trouble. Let's go, and um, see, truly seems concerned about both of their well being. And then you know, unfortunately, is is punished for it, but. He's like, let me. He's, he's like, no. He's like, you're you're older. Like, let me take care of it or whatever. Like, like, you're always you're, you're always being marine. But let me. Mm-hmm. I, I've been I, I've been out in the, out in the shit more or, or more recent than you have. Um, and then like, yeah. And when he and when he sees like the 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 flashlight, and he's like, oh, like, why'd you go over there? Like, why'd you go over there? He is very concerned uh, about these two characters in mm-hmm. a way. Um. And he he feels like he's the one who gets the like. I get I me. Mean, I mean, they they all like none of them should be killed, but like it feels like he's the one who's like the most like, just like caught in the middle of it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Compared to everyone else, like he's How, just like Howard doesn't seem just, to take as much pleasure in 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 the killing as as uh, Pearl seems. No, to. no, Pearl Pearl seems to enjoy it. Howard's just like, well, we've already gone down this path. We might as well keep going. Is kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm um but yeah i do and, and and so yeah the deaths are very if you like slasher deaths i think it's they're very stylistic i think specifically mm-hmm. rj's death with the like blood splattering on the headlights and how everything tar- starts turning red because of it uh afterwards um but yeah it's, it's just a more gruesome movie in comparison to the the movies that it's like referencing yeah which again it's an evolution of a genre so it makes complete sense um do you have another scene i mean i just i think the 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 climax is is yeah great it's there's a little bit of humor to it like so anytime anytime a shotgun gets involved i'm yeah. sorry multiple people just like blown Boom! away it's 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 <laughs> it's definitely got some comedic and then and then you know the way howard goes out is it's funny it's funny <laughs> <laughs> all that killing and he's taken down by like after having sex is what it is like my heart. that one little one little jump scare yeah <gasps> um and then and then you know you get that last kind of standoff between mia goth and mia goth which is once again yeah. just great yeah and and, and again what you said it's it's her, her ambition that makes her like i mean kind of gets her out of there in a way like she's just like i don't know it's 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 i mean and then she had that that extra double tap of the of the of the truck rolling back basically mm-hmm. um to kill pearl and you're like oh that's you killed this old lady but don't worry you're gonna get her in in, in the prequel um but I, I think when you're when you're talking honestly the scariest part of this movie i think is when pearl gets into bed with maxine i think that yeah. is that is the most unnerving she touched me yeah she touched me she was in my bed and she touched me <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it, it yeah the way the, yeah it's 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 unnerving. It's sim- a similar thing of like say like a psycho. Like there's something that like that's scary about someone coming into your personal space and mm-hmm. in, in, in a very in, in a way an intimate like uh, kind of space in a way if it be the shower or the bed or whatever, um, unknowingly and and kind of invading it. That's that's it's 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 
it can be a terrifying thing. Mm-hmm. And and the way he they build it, the way Ty West builds it, and the tension of like the cutting and slowly pulling out the, the the blanket and how she gets in. Um, Even just the fact like she still has blood on her hands and she's like yeah. rubbing it all over Maxine. It's yeah, it, it is it is yeah. so unnerving that's, and very well done from like a you know when you remember that that they're having to composite these shots together. Yeah. I, 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 we've come a long way since parent trap time yes. that's all i gotta say yes we have that's all i gotta say but um, i mean for me i think i think the high water mark for a horror film for me is is if i can enjoy the non-horror scenes just as much as the yeah as the kills especially in a slasher movie because you know so many people you'll see on letterbox was like eh, this wasn't a very good movie but there were a couple good kills uh three and a half stars and it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay let's let's get, demand a little bit more out of our, our movies yeah but, uh, and that's and that's always my thing because we talked this on our patreon kind of like i i really care about like create a horror film make me care about the characters and because like, it makes me care about when they get killed off like yes. i don't like that's kind of the key is like create characters that like you don't want to see die and then you see die if they're just there to die what's the point yeah but i, I think everything he's saying here so everything he's saying about porn everything he's saying about entertainment everything yeah. he's saying about youth and ambition all these characters are very charismatic you know th- what he's saying about movies with kind of rj's yeah. rj's running commentary is like the film nerd it's 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 all it's all great like i'd, I'd just hang out with it i i would yeah. watch a movie where they successfully ma- like boogie Make night give, yeah, give me like this these guys in boogie nights you know i would yeah. watch that movie um, I, yeah that was the vibe I got when they're talking about like oh like the way the market's going like the it's again if you think of like in Boogie Nights where they go from seventy nine to eighty mm-hmm. and how like Burt Reynolds' character is very much just like the world's changing we got to get on this bandwagon soon mm-hmm. uh, or or it's Philip Baker Hall who's like saying like oh you, like I just I want the video or whatever I want, I want the amateur stuff that's what's really getting getting people going now mm-hmm. um, when Burt Reynolds is an artist and that's the kind of like it's like I think RJ is going to be an artist. Mm-hmm. and um and wayne is going to be like we gotta make money yeah like let's do it we we he, I mean, he runs uh does he run the, the burlesque strip club yeah, yeah. is I, what it I is think, yeah. yeah i think yeah. He, he owns the strip club or man yeah i think he probably owns it but, yeah but ba- was it bayou burlesque or whatever mm-hmm. is what it's called yeah with, a, with an alligator on the front yeah oh yeah biting a, biting a blonde girl <laughs> i wonder if that's a reference to to, <laughs> to, to, to something all right, so a little bit of on-set life in, in New Zealand, in the bubble. The film shot for 30 days, 30-day production schedule. In spring of 2021 in New Zealand, they found an existing farmhouse to shoot in, and they built the barn and the bunkhouse for their needs. Uh, the entire production cost $1 million. That's that's a really small amount. Yeah. <laughs> One location. For the, for the amount, yeah, that's true. For the amount of, not just the production design, the look of it, but also I mean, just the cast like mm-hmm. at this point like i mean like britney snow king kid kid cuddy like i guess jenna ortega like they they jenna ortega her breakout year was this year i think so mm-hmm. maybe because well, cuddy was, has a cuddy has an executive producer credit so i wonder if he took points instead oh, of interesting maybe maybe was there any other because no, none of the rest of the cast did okay because i know mia goth for pearl is like the co-writer and i think mm-hmm. with probably a producer of some C- kind uh, of cuddy has a ep credit on pearl too wow yeah. wow interesting go kid cuddy way to go 
so one downside of the move to New Zealand was that West had been planning to shoot on 16 millimeter and he could not in New Zealand. Uh, shooting in 16 millimeter, he said to him, felt like one of the most important ways to make the film feel like it was straight out of the 70s, which is what he wanted. But with the move to rural New Zealand, it would take about two weeks to get dailies back. So Ooh. that's half your half your shoot schedule before you can Ooh. see dailies. Before you see one daily, yeah. one like one one day of dailies. Oh uh, man! So obviously, you know there are some directors who don't watch dailies, uh, which is usually not a good sign. But uh, obviously, Ty West watches dailies. It was one time, Thomas. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> um, and so West his regular dp elliot rocket they had kind of come up together and, and then the rest of james cameron's camera team uh, <laughs> set out to figure the best way to replicate the look of of grainy's grainy 1970s film yeah a lot of this was accomplished in camera they used a, a sony camera with uh, hawk lenses that really gave it that kind of uh 60 millimeter look and then once in post they went back and west said he just kind of blanket just defocused all the film a little bit which is something okay. you know that a lot of film people have against digital is it's just way too sharp yeah. so he just defocused all of it and he said he added a very slight amount of grain to give it a kind of tactile uh, tactile feel he said he didn't want it to look like you know that kind of like like grindhouse type of style where it's like very obviously trying to look like film but yeah i think it i think it works very so. well yeah yeah, yeah. You got that great opening shot where it's like four three through, yeah. and then you push through the barn doors and you're like oh it's not it's 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 widescreen it's widescreen yeah, yeah, yeah um another benefit of moving to new zealand was the opportunity to work with the top-notch facilities established there by peter jackson when he was shooting lord of the rings his legendary uh weeda effects house uh was responsible for the prosthetics to create pearl that came out of weta portraying pearl required what Ty West called a Herculean feat from yeah, Mia yeah. Goth, who had to sit in makeup for six hours before then going on to perform for a ten-hour day. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, like the the rest of the civilized world, apparently shoots uh, French hours. So, oh no, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. everyone yeah. except for America, apparently. We we really hate the French. It sounds like that's that's what's for anyone who's not aware. Anywhere <laughs> yeah, else, yeah. anyone else, anywhere else in the world, you work a ten-hour day on a yeah. film set and you uh take what they call a walking lunch which is like you'll break people you you won't say all right we're going to start stop shooting take an hour to eat lunch and then come back um in america we shoot 12 hour days at a minimum i, I was i was like 12 with quotations around <laughs> yeah usually stretching into 14 and you usually end up with a walking lunch anyway so it's, <laughs> <laughs> well like that well i know like uh we talked about this with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is still different, but like Texas Chainsaw, like one day went into 26 hours or whatever for like one of their, one of their shoot days. And like, I know people who have, who have been on like, again, more non-union sets still with money who are like, oh yeah, we had to shoot for 18 hours a day. Like it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And you know, there's this like to get a little little too deep into filmmaking real quick. There's this thing in film where called grace, where if you, technically if you're dipping into lunch you, yeah. you're supposed to ask everyone on the film set for grace and grace. if they all agree then you can dip into lunch if someone says no then you're supposed to break for lunch all all that they actually do on a film set is just go over the walkie and say we're calling grace and then they just kind of assume 
that everyone's <laughs> okay with it. But um, yeah, yeah. but from my understanding with French hours that you have to get, if you go over 10 hours, you have to get verbal confirmation from every person on set to yeah. go over 10 hours. And and like a lot of, there's been a lot of, like discussions. Of, yeah, and then we've had this discussion on here. But yeah, there's been a lot of discussions of like what's better, not just for health wise, but a lot of people will like, a 10 hour day is like that's a that's a a work day Mm -hmm. like and and with less hours you become more focused a lot of the Mm -hmm. time and you want to get done and everything but like if if there's if there's if the end time is unknown who cares but if you know like i gotta get done in 10 hours or we're gonna Mm -hmm. be screwed for the next day whatever um i think clint eastwood does that he's the one who like he because he's old um uh, but he's always like been pretty much short days, essentially mm-hmm. for the yeah. most part. Yeah, he didn't do a lot of takes either. He does like two takes at max. Weta was also responsible for the grisly effects in the film, something West felt was important, like we talked about. Uh, he said in observing the duality between 70s slashers and 70s porn, West fully recognized that the major draw of slashers was what you would call in porn the money shot. Yeah. Uh, everyone wants to see the kills. And so he worked uh, with the practical effects house to make sure X was just as bloody if the film as the films that inspired it, if not more, mm. which I think we decided it definitely was. It definitely was more. more. So it was while on set shooting X and working with Mia Goth to explore kind of the backstory of Pearl, which is not unusual. We've talked about it a good bit in kind of the rehearsal process for movies like yeah. actors and directors like to have an uns- even if it's not scripted, they like to know what motivates these characters to better perform. I mean, so, Del Toro. Del Toro would write like, like, like pages and pages mm-hmm. of backstory, and he basically like, "Do you want this or not?" And I think like Jessica Chastain like took it for like Crimson Peak or something. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So so Wes and Goth kind of did that together, and that's where the script for Pearl came from. It got deeper mm-hmm. and deeper, and they're like, "This is a whole. This is a whole other story." Yeah. So Wes got on the phone immediately with A24, and he laid out his proposal for for Pearl, and he made one thing very clear. If they were to move right into shooting Pearl with the same crew and the same locations, they could do it for very, very cheap. If they <laughs> broke, if anybody went home, yeah, they'd probably never be able to make it. It would just be yeah. too much money to get that location again to get that crew back together. Yeah, yeah. So A24 said, yeah, they um, they had been seeing some dailies of goth and they were obviously like much as much as Pearl says, she was a star and um and so they said yeah go for it so they rolled right into production of pearl as soon as they had wrapped up with i mean because because i think that was like also a million dollars like mm-hmm. reported budget like yeah i'm gonna get two horror films for two million dollars total in mm-hmm. production budget sure and especially if you're watching dailies and you like what you're seeing you've, you're already excited to work with ty west yeah you're like absolutely <laughs> Go, you guys want to stay in New Zealand and make more movies? Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the Avatar crew, screw <laughs> it. Because uh, I just feel that's like that's like not not saying this, but like that's like saying you're making your like student film, and then all of a sudden like Spielberg's guys are free. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, not say that this is a student film, but it, it feels like or making your indie film, your small indie film, and you're like, oh, Spielberg's guys, Janusz uh, Kaminski over here, like um michael Kahn, we know ty west did all this stuff but like um uh you got john williams to score we, we, they're all ready to go like if you need them and he's like sure yeah, yeah. this guy just spent 10 years gripping for nolan you you want him like oh you yeah. Want him? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 to be my to be my second key grip or whatever <laughs> sure, why not? yeah why not um but yeah just feel it's it just like it feels like you, that it's like the perfect storm in a good way of like 
all these people coming together for this movie uh mm-hmm. for very and, and and also too if, if, i mean you probably know this too like when you're working on big stuff all the time sometimes it's good to like go do this smaller thing because yeah. like it's in some cases it's more of a cakewalk than doing yeah. avatar and or when whatever you're, and when you're working tight hours when you're working french hours it's good to have crew that know each other because they speak yep they speak their own language they they know yep. exactly it, it cuts the learning curve of having to figure out yep when, when you say i want this they can just go i know exactly how yep. to do that yeah and also on mia goth standpoint while i think she is great in this movie she is phenomenal in pearl yeah like phenomenal like it's it's insane like how good she is in pearl yeah. <laughs> like and, and oh, you've got to imagine at some point on this one wes was just like she's yeah like she's good in this but i could give her the opportunity to, to be great yes yeah it's it's like because there's a lot of times like you if i were a 24 i would do my best to push push her for like awards mm-hmm. like easily this year because i i just just what she's doing is like i might my, my my first thought was like she's like she's taken some swings literal and figuratively in that, <laughs> in that movie, she's taken some swings. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's a joy to see. It's a joy to see. Yeah. So get into some aftermath X, uh, debuted at South by Southwest, which is a great, uh, great place to debut genre films on March 13th, 2022, earning critical raves and a fervent word of mouth campaign. Expectations within the film community were high uh, for West's return, and the insight, the excitement for West within kind of niche horror fandoms was also greatly helped by just un- again pitch perfect marketing from A twenty four. If A twenty four has nailed one thing, it's probably producing low budget films. But if they've nailed two things, it is marketing <laughs> yeah. those low budget films. Yeah, um, they really just fantastic yeah. marketing on most of the stuff that they do there yeah uh so then x came out in theaters just a week after its festival debut march 18th 2022 which i think is great because people were reading all this great stuff coming out of south by and then it was like oh you want to see that movie here here you go yeah. yeah um and it was critical and commercial hit currently sits at 94 on rotten tomatoes it's got a 3.6 on letterbox and mm-hmm. it earned uh 14.5 million at the box office on a million dollar budget so yeah it's like and say you're mark say you're marketing they did they did five million because i because i feel like they did they probably spent more than a million dollars in the marketing maybe they didn't let's say they did five million on, on on that six million yeah you've made your money back and you'll make your money back in in vod or whatever uh with it too mm-hmm. so yeah so the very existence of pearl was not ex- announced until a few months after x's release it was all kind of done in secrecy um but it also sparked a new interest on the film. It had just hit on demand and it was still like $12 to, to, to rent it on demand. But then it was like, Oh, by the way, I'm putting out a prequel. And then it was like, everybody who hadn't seen it in theaters, like, well now I gotta, I gotta see it here. Yeah. So anticipation for Pearl grew in the film community. Uh, I think that's also kind of, it. it's just, it felt so unique to get like a, not just like a sequel or a prequel to this like kind of indie film, but also like, Oh, it's coming out in the same year. Like it just felt yeah. crazy. It's, it's like if, if, if he would have had Maxine ready to go, he could have done all three in one year. Mm-hmm. Like if he really, if they, if, if they wanted to, it feels like, but I mean, and, uh, you know, not that, not that sequels are a rarity in this kind of MCU era, but, but you definitely don't get 
indie sequel you know these these little art house films don't get sequels yeah and especially so close together Mm -hmm. like it's like picture like it's like doing before sunrise and then at the end of the year you do like the year later for the end of the year it's like it's just because you're banking on again again with studios like you're banking on what if x isn't a hit Mm -hmm. then we've just wasted (laughs) what if no one cares about pearl about, about pearl yeah so like we just wasted it but that's it's a gamble but because the budget was so low it was kind of a low risk because i'm i'm a million dollars in studio terms it's like it's gonna make ha- it's like, like best case or worst case scenario it makes sixty thousand dollars like his in the valley of violence or whatever um it's a loss but it's not a 20 million dollar loss or whatever is the mm-hmm. thing so so yeah but i think i think they knew that it was going to make more than that because they have a24 has the clout by their name mm-hmm. alone to bring in probably a couple million if, yeah. if marketed correctly they also got a little bit of other clout when a certain director saw an early screening of pearl yes uh, martin scorsese released this review after an early screening of pearl uh, Ty West movies have a kind of energy that is so rare these days, powered by a pure, undiluted love for cinema. You feel it in every frame. A prequel to X made in a diametric, op- diametrically opposite cinematic register. Think 50s scope color melodramas. Pearl makes for a wild, mesmerizing, deeply, and I mean deeply disturbing, 102 minutes. West and his muse and creative partner Mia Goth really know how to toy with their audience before they plunge the knife into our chest and start twisting. I was enthralled, then this, then disturbed, then so unsettled that I had trouble getting to sleep, but I couldn't stop watching. And, you I know, mean, that's a gl- that's a glowing review. And it's with the review. kind of the culture war, you know, Scorsese has kind of a permanent place in the culture wars these days with his statements about superhero cinema. So, for like the, he's kind of taken on this like champion of, of of anything that's not superhero cinema, that's not blockbusters these days, and and so yeah. for him to kind of come out and champion this film was was huge i just remember when that news came out everyone was like scorsese loves pearl it was like oh my god i have to see this movie yeah because like i i we i have like a a scorsese like letterbox list that that a guy a person has done on on movie that i kind of update and like so it's like close to 1200 movies and when you look at recent stuff it's usually like kind of his friends for the most Mm -hmm. part like it's Nightmare Alley with Del Toro, it's it's Black Klansman with Spike Lee, but then you have like Midsummer and Pearl in there, as well as Parasite. Mm-hmm. Like, but Pearl feels like the most uh, interest, like the most unique one of of late for him to. But also, if you know Scorsese, you know how much he loves that Technicolor mm-hmm. melodrama visual style and storytelling. And, he, and, like, and messing with it you know? yeah messing with it it's like it's like it's yeah he loves pal and pressburger he loves the red shoes he loves um vincent Manelli. like mm-hmm. those are all very colorful movies and he's taking he's taking that visual style and making something disturbing and twisted uh which is which is fresh and unique for today and mm-hmm. i think is he pulls off that style is that oh, it's yeah. like that's the thing about Pearl is that they pull it. They, they don't just attempt it. They pull it off. Is mm-hmm. the thing. Why like they pull it off here? 
So Pearl debuted at the Venice Film Festival this year, which is just a true rarity for, you know, a little horror yeah. film. And it recaptured X's success at the box office, earning $9 million on a million-dollar budget and a 90% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. The week after Pearl's release, West revealed yet another surprise. Maxine, a 1980s L.A. set sequel to X, once again starring Goth. And in a recent interview, Mia Goth revealed that Maxine has been her favorite of all three scripts. So, got got more to come. I, want, I wonder if she helped write on that one. Does it say? Did it say? Uh, I, the interview I saw with her, she she said he kind of, she might have like consulted on it once he did an initial draft, but she, but she said he kind of handed her a draft and she read through it and and was most excited for this one. Gotcha. Okay. So we've we've touched on it a good bit, but just to kind of recap what works in in X, and you can yeah. you can dip into Pearl if you want to a little bit as well, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I like the visual styles in both films. Uh, I think the performances in both films are fantastic Mm -hmm. um uh from from kind of all around the cast and in in both films and again it's they're they're movies that are both feel different but of the same world Mm -hmm. is the thing uh is that well i think it was so fascinating when you want when watching pearl first and watching x is that when you watch x you're like oh they're this is where this comes from or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they mirror shots. They mirror shots or sequences. Like, I mean, there's the kind of like moment with the scarecrow, uh, in the field and Pearl feels like she's, they're mirroring that with RJ in front of the car when she's on mm-hmm. top of him. It's like, it's very like, there's similar things going on. Um, but the visual style acting again for a horror film, for a slasher, like you said, like, it's rare you see characters like sit down and talk and have things to say about mm-hmm. like, I guess almost philosophical issues of love and sex or whatever. Um, but no, I, I like, I think, and also too, with doing tributes and homages and horror films, there is a kind of a fine line you have to walk because you can tip the scale too much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, this does it enough where outside of the kind of like psycho reference for that it, it it wears it on its sleeve visually but it's not trying to hit you over the head with it yeah it's like you have the shining shot with jenna ortega in the door like jack in the shining mm-hmm. but like it's not doing it over and over and over again with certain things it's mm-hmm. very it it's it's uh it's meticulous and it's purposeful but it's not it's there's not too much of it yeah and it, and it feels organic when you're watching it like yes, you can you exactly. can go through it with a comb but it it never feels like wink wink nudge nudge when he, yeah. when he pulls it off yeah i think i think as a as a genre podcast I, I i have full appreciation for west as a as a genre kind of enthusiast like he yeah. obviously recognizes not just genre but like subgenre and and then devotes himself to like i'm going to nail this subgenre and and that and with these two films does it incredibly well i agree uh so does anything not work in this one um what are your thoughts on this i mean it it is it is tight it is a tight little 90 minute movie it, it, it's hard to i'm not, I'm not yeah, gonna say like could, yeah, 100, oh, yeah yeah 90 to 100 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna say like oh we could have could have lost this or you know could have brought that in like it 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 moves it does um i mean this is more preference for me 
It's not. It's not really a bad thing. Oh, God, I feel so like terrible since on a hard pockets. I don't really need as much blood. That's hmm. that's kind of my thing. I don't need as much. Is is the thing. I don't need as much. I don't need. I don't need as much as some people. So the less for me. I, I feel. I think. I think it's just. It's not the blood aspect. It's that we see the actual things happening, mm-hmm. and and for some, because you're talking about the money shot, people want to see that, and that's great. Um, I'm not. I'm. I don't really care <laughs> about that. It's kind of my thing. That's just my personal thing. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm in no way going to call this a perfect film, but but I don't. Yeah, I I, I can't. I can't really like armchair quarterback this one. Like I think I agree. I agree. I think he does exactly what he set out to do. And there are a few things I could point to and be like, Oh, he kind of, he kind of missed it there. Like, no, I, no, I agree. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm saying that the, 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 the kill, the gruesome kills just because that's what I can kind of pinpoint of mm-hmm. like, again, it's more like I say that, but it works for what he tries to do if his if his motive or if his goal is to have me wince and turn away he succeeded mm-hmm. <laughs> in moments with that where i'm like oh god that's too much so again i'm not saying it didn't work it's just i don't need as much is mm-hmm. kind of the thing I, that's really the big thing. i don't need as much this is this is the conversation that we talked about briefly about like halloween and everything with the newest ones where i'm like i don't i don't need as much as some people do with that yeah, and 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 you know it is an interesting. I was surprised as someone who had seen his other films. I was kind of su- surprised by it by because when he was making horror films in the early twenty tens, it did kind of mm-hmm. feel like a direct response to kind of the torture porn of the time, where he was like, "You don't have to have that to yeah, be yeah. scary." And and now he's now to have him kind of be like, "Okay, but we could use some of it." it was, yeah, it was it was very it was it was a surprise for sure. Yeah, it's but it's the opposite of like with this elevated horror era where that doesn't do as much with that. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, let's let's go back to like again. It's it's Del Toro saying I'm gonna make Nightmare Alley, but from the 1940s, but but give you everything we couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And X feels somewhat like something yeah, like that. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give you I'm a 1970s horror a film. Yeah. I'm making a slasher from the 1970s, but I'm gonna show you the stuff you couldn't see in the 1970s. Yeah, and that's fair. All right, so a couple of a couple of facts. This is not an X fact, but it is a Ty West fact. Uh, I briefly mentioned that he disowned his first film, uh, Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. Yeah. After not being allowed to participate in the edit of the film and being appalled by what the producers did with the edit, Wes requested to have his name removed from the film and replaced with... Alan Smithy. Alan Smithy, which is the common placeholder for directors who have disowned a movie. However, West was not yet in the DGA, so they told him he was not permitted to use the alias Alan Smithy. And so his name had to be kept on the film. Oh God! Don't you hate that? Got to be in the I DGA mean, to be Alan Smithy. I mean, I wonder if him if he like met James Cameron. Was like, you know how you did Piranha Two? <laughs> I did Cabin Fever Two. <laughs> let's talk about how we both try to get our names taken off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned Kid Cudi has an executive producer credit on X mm-hmm. and Pearl. Uh, he requested that Ty West make a mom friendly cut of X so that he could show it to his mother as his feature film debut. Uh, West <laughs> West obliged. But at 100 minutes already, I'm I'm not really sure how long a mom friendly cut of X is. No, because like then it's like you cut out you're cutting out all the set. Like, is it just like 
I mean, is it just them sitting around talking yeah, about full frontal nude scene from Kid Cudi? You've got yeah. a lot of gore. Yeah, it's it's just that it's just that nice little scene of them sitting around and playing landslide. And landslide. <laughs> she goes it's and tells sh- her friends, "Little like, hey, short film. You gotta see this movie. Film. My son's in. He plays guitar in it. It's really nice." Yeah, he was in. Uh, he was in. Um, Bill and Ted Face the Music. I will say, and actually, yeah. I liked. I liked him in Bill and Ted Face the he was Music. In a, uh, he was in an episode of Creep Show. That, uh, oh was he like one of the first ones yeah i just watched it because rob schraub uh directed it but um but yeah oh. kid, kid cuddy was in it so wes said one of the best aspects to finally having a studio and a little bit of a budget behind his film was the ability to get music uh f- music rights yes. for it as he had written most of the 1970s kind of am radio soundtrack into the script and he was he had written that scene as landslide and was like, I gotta get Fleetwood Mac to sign off on this. Cause I have no, no idea what else they would sing here. <laughs> but that is something that, that kind of, I, I read it in a couple of reviews. It's like what makes what it looks so much like a seventies film, but like they, no one in those like cheap 70 slashers at the time could get like popular music. And so no one you, could get don't fear the reaper. <laughs> I love the the doctor doctor give me the news over the yeah. end credits. Yeah. When uh, when finding the role of Bobby Lynn with Britney Snow, Wes told her to look specifically to Dolly Parton for inspiration as someone yeah. uh, who knew exactly what she wanted and wasn't afraid to com- combine her brains and body to get it. Yeah. Uh, Snow and Wes also joked regularly that had the b- film been set in 1995, Bobby Lynn would have been a realtor. <laughs> She probably would. She'd probably still be a realtor <laughs> nowadays. And according to West, is- uh, many of the people who auditioned for the role of Wayne interpreted him as a creep. You know, they saw owns a strip club, mm-hmm. wants to make a porn movie in the script. And uh, he said he just got to the point where he'd just automatically turn you down if you showed up to the audition with gold chains and slick back hair. Uh, he said he knew that Martin Henderson was right for the role when he brought an interpretation of Wayne Moore as a friendly but ambitious used car salesman. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's what it is he's got he, he gives good advice seems like yeah. a, seems like a stand-up dude just just a strip club owner so when west was pitching pearl to a24 he said he originally pitched it uh to be shot in a german in a black and white german expressionistic style as it matched the time period the film was set in and it would reflect pearl's german heritage and the harshness of her german mother yeah uh he said he he had had that set up for his pitch he was pitching it to A24 and he let it slip that that would be the cheapest way to shoot Pearl to which mm. the A24 exec said, okay, but what would be the best way to shoot Pearl? And Wes said, well, we'd have to sh- we'd shoot it in Technicolor, but we'd have to redo all the wallpaper for the farmhouse and it would cost a lot more money. And they said, yeah, yeah go for it. But that was like the thing he had in mind. Yeah. Still a still a budget film. You can tell he's someone who produced his first couple of films himself. He's like, Yeah. This is the way I really want to shoot it, but I don't, I don't want to pay to repaint this the the <laughs> location. Well let's let's just do the cheapest way possible. <laughs> Moving into awards, this is a tough one. How we break this up, because everybody's in it about an equal amount. But yeah. uh, the Beatrice Strait Award for the actor or actress with limited scenes that kills it. Does it go to the sheriff? Does it go to? Does it go to the sheriff? The, 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 two scenes the woman in? working the gas station. I do love that, that that final line of the film is 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 great. Yeah, no, it's it's the, like what do you, what do you think is is on this camera? He's like one fucked up horror film. Horror movie. <laughs> I 
like him. I, I I like him for the two role two scenes he's in, and I feel like the other one I would say is uh is the person that we learn is Maxine's dad, the, the televangelist. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, he he feels like a like an old school fundamentalist like Christian televangelist. Yeah, it's easy. Like, it's easy to think that's just some archival footage they have until he like starts talking about his daughter. What's his name? Do we know his name? I do not. Let me see. But I'll I'll back the cop too because I love that that final. Uh, I I so regret a twenty four put out these like incredible shirts when when this movie came out and i hadn't seen it yet and i was like i don't know if i support this movie yet i can't buy a shirt but they had one that was yeah. just like x one fucked up goddamn horror film or whatever <laughs> whatever the let's, the final line is let's let I, I, so we'll shout these two actors so simon prast is the is the televangelist um I, I i wonder if he's a new zealand actor um i know the sheriff is uh james galen who is a new zealand actor yeah um, yeah this one this one the televangelist is as well yeah yeah okay so like so james galen was in was that was the op center staff in avatar is what it was yeah um and so he's been in he's he's been in the meg and he's been in uh a lot of tv shows over there and a lot of power rangers shows it looks like over there hmm. um i think as a voiceover actor yeah voiceover he's a voiceover actor I, I I like James Galen just for that ending part. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Oh, he oh, he's actually wow, he's actually from Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, he was in Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> right there, right there. He deserves it. Bridge of Terabithia. When yeah, I wonder if he moved to New Zealand for Avatar. Because it says an American New Zealand actor on his thing. Yeah, because he, he, he mo- also yeah. did Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. Yeah. He, wow, was on, he was on the Disney Channel. He was on the DCOM track and then he pivoted. Yeah, I mean, good for him. James Galen, Beatrice Strait. I, I, I'm down with that. What do you reckon happened, Sheriff? How the hell should I know? Hey, boss. One of the boys uh, found this inside. What do you think is on it? Well, by the looks of everything, I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. So then the Annie Potts X Factor Award. I think this is the toughest one because this is who stands out out of the supporting cast, and this is a fantastic supporting cast this is a fantastic supporting cast um okay britney snow is towards the top for me yeah i, I yeah for yeah, sure britney, i was Brit- re-watching it last night like in there's just that first scene where she's there at the gas station she's yeah. giving rj like advice on the angle uh, on the angle uh, and also her her talking to, to lorraine or whatever mm-hmm. i, I was like just- oh, britney snow early standout for best supporting uh and yeah. then and then my wife was like, but there's so many other supporting characters in this. Oh, it's true. Yeah. You're true. But uh, I, I, I think Brittany Snow is the, is the one that takes it. I do like Kid Cudi. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Martin Anderson in this. He's, I, he's I like just him got, too. He's got this swagger to it in this movie where you're like, oh, that guy's famous. And you look him up and you're like, well, I mean, he's been working. Like, he has a <laughs> solid career, but like. Yeah. 
he should I mean, be he, should be more famous. I mean, his big thing is his Virgin River on Netflix is probably the biggest thing that I, I have not watched, but is has has four seasons, so it's popular. Um, I do like him, but I I think Britney Snow takes it. I yeah. think she takes it very early on, um, and I think she's just kind of the she can't it's like it's the southern belle turned stripper is what it kind of mm-hmm. comes off as and she, heart she, of gold she, bless her heart heart of gold yeah she she plays it so uh, she plays it well she plays it well like it, it's that when coming in i was like oh she'll probably be a, the like the big star of the movie when like before i knew about mia goth it, with it but she she is just a a supporting player that that is also kind of the you're talking about like the thesis of the film and that scene when they're talking about sex and love and porn or whatever and horror stuff I, she's kind of the the one who who's the the standout in that scene mm-hmm. i think yeah everybody likes sex it's a guess if we're just not afraid to admit it queer straight black white it's all disco you know why because one day we're gonna be too old to fuck and life's too short if you ask me roger that the fact of the truth of the matter is we turn folks on and that scares them. And they can't look away neither. That's right. We're like a foxy car wreck. Finally, our Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie. Is it Ty West or is it Mia Goth? This is a tough one. Because Mia Goth plays two roles in this movie, mm-hmm. and that's that's a difficult task. Um, I will say this. I'm I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this award. For, for the movie Pearl as well. I think Ty West wins it here for X. I think Mia Goth wins it for Pearl. Hmm. I could see that. She definitely carries Pearl. She carries Pearl. Like, it's like, that's how much I love her performance in that movie is that she, she carries Pearl. But I think X has a lot of other factors involved with the more characters, with kind of, again, it's, you need that, you need X to work for Pearl to, to, to work as well is mm-hmm. the thing and i think ty west is a great job at that and they do a great job of like in terms of technically planning out how to incorporate maxine and pearl together is the thing um so i i just think that i think that he i think he wins for x but she wins for pearl all right i back that and we'll see who wins for maxine well, oh, that'll yeah, be the tiebreaker is that how you feel about it or or would you give a different answer? Uh, I, I, I'd be tempted to give it to her for this one as well, but I do think Pearl Pearl is, is built around her in a way that it lives or fails by her, by her. And, and, and I do think this one is a little bit more West, especially as kind of being the proof of concept to then lead in to Pearl. Pearl. Um, yeah, I agree. David Cornsweat X factor award for Pearl. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. I think I, I love think that, that scene in the barn when. Why'd you turn on me? Why'd you go Why'd cold you turn on me? On me? <laughs> Why are you leaving me? I thought you liked well, me. Well, he, yeah, when he realizes, like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Like, what's he, the dog's <laughs> name? Oh god, that is chilling. <laughs> yeah, what's the dog's oh, yeah, name? Well, we don't have a dog. Well, you just said he had a dog. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> Run to the car. <laughs> Get up. Picked up from the university, can put it together like he says. Our days of struggling may soon be over. 
We do even half the numbers of Debbie Does Dallas, and I'm out of the red for good. Hell, let's make a picture a week, then. Patience, darling. I've been being patient my whole life. Well, that's the thing about being patient. I need to be famous, Wayne. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for the high life. I'm sick and tired of never getting what I want. Well, you help me keep those jokers in line out there. I'll make sure you get everything your heart desires. You better have. I won't worry no more, Wayne. I deserve nice things. I have cosmopolitan taste. Don't I know it. I mean it. I want the whole world to know my name. Like Linda Carter or some shit. Hey, everyone with a pulse is gonna lust after a piece of Maxine Minx once they see what you can do. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Fucking A, right? All right, final questions. All right. This is this is an interesting one because it's it's it it's made to be set in the seventies, but if it was actually made in the seventies. This 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 cast was thrown together very quickly before we started recording. Okay. So but I'm happy. I'm, with I'm most I'm most interested in do you have your 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 actress playing Maxine and Pearl? Or did you I'm cast sure. two separate ones? I didn't I didn't cast a separate one. Okay. So I'm I'm most interested to hear that one, but I want I want to hear who you've got. I mean I mean here's the thing. Late seventies is difficult to cast for this age range, I will say. Yes. Because everyone looked older. <laughs> it's the th- it's the thing. So I'm trying That's to perfect get, for Pearl. It's perfect for Pearl. Um I, I'll get your thoughts. So who who do you want me to go? I I have everyone in the group. Okay. Let's let's start with Lorraine and RJ. Okay, Lorraine. I have uh, Sissy Spacek oh, as, I, as Lorraine. I would have bet money you had her as Maxine, so I'm, I'm very curious now. Okay, all right. I thought about it. We could switch. We could switch. I, she she would be good as Maxine, so that could be a switch switcheroo there. No, I'm, I'll, uh, I'll wait. I'll wait. But okay. All yeah. Right. Obviously, I wanted her in the movie as well. But uh, yeah. Okay. RJ Brad Dorif. Okay, nice. I love. I will never say it's, no to it's, Brad Dorf. It's post. It's post. One flew of the cuckoo's nest. Mm-hmm. Like it's. I think uh, before. Is it Wise Blood where he plays like the, um, the preacher or something? Is what it is. Yeah, uh, same year as that. Yeah, he plays. He plays a, uh, uh, a preacher is what it is. So it's like. So that's seventy nine. So yeah. Yeah. He'd I'll, be good for that. I'll never say no to more Brad Dorf in my life. Okay. Who do you want next? Uh. That's a lot of things. I, you know, I don't want to say like Brad Dorf, underrated actor. The dude's been in like a long running horror franchise and he was in like the biggest, he's in Lord of the Rings, like one of the biggest yeah. franchises of all time, but still we and, need more. And, and one flew the cuckoo's nest. So and like Deadwood mo- and multiple decades, multiple decades. Uh, all right. Next let's get Jackson. Okay. And uh, uh, Jackson, Richard Roundtree. Okay. From shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh bobby lynn goldie hahn nice love that okay all right i like i like how this is shaping up okay Okay. let's do martin and howard oh i didn't do howard i didn't do howard Howard. okay okay somebody old somebody old at that time who knows i can try i can try to find don't worry worry about it martin uh martin i had i had had two picks here one's a little bit older one's a little bit younger the younger one is richard gear okay the older one is Burt Reynolds. Mm. I like Burt Reynolds. I think especially Burt since we already them... brought up the <laughs> yes, Boogie Nights. Yeah, that was that was kind of the key there. But I do I do think it's I think I think that dynamic is important that he feels like the oldest one there. Yeah, um, he feels like the adult of the group. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, one one more I'll throw out in case we make a switch with Sissy Spacek for for uh, for Lorraine. Carol Kane, I would throw mm. in that. Okay. Th- I throw in that race. So we want to make the switch to Sissy Spacek. To, I'm, I'm still to, to I'm, Maxine. I'm, here we go. Pearl and Maxine. I mean, I it felt like the mo- it felt like the most typical choice to go with at this period. Oh, now I, okay. I, it's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is who I picked for, oh, for that okay. one. Okay. Who were you? Th- I, who I were thought you were going to go Shelley Duvall on me. Um, also good. Also a good pick. That th- this is a tough role. So I I did look at Shelley Duvall because I was looking at, like like Popeye was around this exact time and it's coming off all the Altman stuff. I mean she could. I I, I think when you say that I I, I like to be the first, but maybe maybe Duval or Spacek are the better picks because at this point Curtis. I'm basing it off horror stuff and kind of the age range, but if you're talking about the character of Maxine as this ambitious like person who could go a little violent and and I don't say crazy because that's more Pearl, Sissy Spacek or Shelley Duvall could work better. For I, that I see either of them doing Pearl better than than Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. I agree with you on that. Um, so let's go with let so 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 who so I'll let you decide Spacek or Duvall. I think Spacek is Lorraine and Duvall is as Maxine okay. Pearl. Okay, we'll do that. Cool. I like that. I like that. That yeah that was that was the only one that I was worried about was Maxine because that's a tricky role to do if you, especially if you're doing the du- the dual role. So outside of slashers, does this fit in with any other genres? Yeah, I think it's definitely like movies on movies. Yeah, like sure. they're making a movie. Um, there's also the subgenre of making a porn movie is also a mm-hmm. separate thing of movies on movies. Um, I don't know. It's like, again, I said with Texas Chainsaw, I, I, it's like there is a road trip element to it at the mm-hmm. beginning, but it's not a road trip movie. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of has that kind of like like wrong turn movie feel, but they're, they're, yeah. they mean to be there. They just don't, you know, it's, yeah. it's not quite one of those. But It um, doesn't happen the way they thought it would, would happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just an out and out slasher for the most part with that little mm-hmm. kind of added flair of that's exactly what, what Wes wanted to make it a slasher with the flair of it being a film production. Yeah, no, I agree. So specifically within the slasher genre, especially to kind of wrap the month up, how how is this how did, how is this Ty West paying paying homage to everything we've talked about in the in the yeah. slashers? I mean, there's not really I mean, there's not the the detective angle to it in this one. Surprisingly, I think if you haven't seen Pearl, there's more of a mystery around who's doing who's going to do what and, and and kind of why. I think the first yeah. time I watched X before Pearl came out, I was still like, I get that she's she's jealous, but like, who is this woman? And and so yeah. to kind of go back and really Explore get kind of character. the start of it with Pearl and, and understand the way that she sees violence as this kind of like way to bring down her wrath upon the people she's jealous of or, or, or angry at. Um, then it, it, yeah, I think that, that, that help, that helps to add to the, the solving of the mystery of her motivation. I agree. Um, so there is, there is a little bit of that. Um, I think again, I, out of all the movies we've covered because it's a more modern one and, and you've had years and decades of slashers coming out and horror films coming out. It definitely pays a lot of tributes to these older films. So it does it in its kills, the the structure of the kills. Like if it's Texas Chainsaw, where like there's not really kills till about halfway through, and then everything just starts like one by one, they go down like dominoes. Um, or Psycho, where like you're you're doing 
kind of one movie where it's them making a porno and then it switches genres halfway through and becomes a slasher. Um, so you kind of have those elements to it. Um, and you have like, it's, yeah, you have them getting picked off one by one. Again, very similar text chain selling pretty much any slash from after that. Um, and you have the final girl. And like you said, you have this, this kind of interesting dynamic of the same actress is playing the final girl and the main killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have that final girl aspect of it. But then also we talked about about the sex positive stuff and, and kind of the sex sex as part of the makeup of this movie. It twists what's usually done in a slasher movie with this film. Even they all get killed mm-hmm. for the most part. Sex is a part of the story, but does not play a factor in them being killed. Right. Is the thing. So that's kind of an interesting twist. Yeah. Anything else that you think that I, that I didn't say? No, I think I think that 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 pretty much sums it up. We've we've got. I think this is such an interesting one to do here, kind of at the end of the month, because you know I think I think Ty West is someone who's kind of right there with us in the way that he breaks down genres and yeah. understands them, and and so to kind of have this movie that's lovingly crafted to be everything that we've talked about is 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 really cool. It's a really neat little yeah. factor, and then then to throw in that that just how cool it is that that he's making this this trilogy out of it is yeah. um it's been it's been really fun so thanks for thanks for trusting me on this one <laughs> i know you're a little you're like i have heard mixed things about this one when i brought yeah, it up yeah because yeah, i i have friends who are like half star this is movie's terrible mm-hmm. and i'm like okay okay and then, but i i knew my roommate david who's who was on here last week with text chainsaw i know he liked it mm-hmm. so that's why i was like i had a little bit more like okay it's like people i i I truly trust their opinion that they also have similar opinions that I do. Um, I'll take their word for it and we'll, we'll risk it. So there we go. So yeah, ho- hopefully people you can go find, I think X is currently streaming on Showtime if you have Showtime, but mm. also probably available to, to video on demand. Yeah. And I think um, Pearl, Pearl hits, we, we, you and I both did kind of the A24 like special yes. screener last night, but it yeah. will hit. It should hit demand. I think sometime in November. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, w- I wish camp before Halloween. It's not really a Halloween movie per se, even though it is a slasher film. But it is. It's it's a good good one to watch for Halloween. And um, Mia Goth for 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 an Oscar this year. Let's go. I hope. I, mean, I, I I I wish they push it. I wish they push it. That's that's one I would do because she is really fantastic and 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 completely different way mm-hmm. than Maxine like just so night and day difference of the type of character she plays mm-hmm. where it's like she she's this like like just young girl from the farm and and like su- almost southern i mean texas so southern accent and then she just becomes a, a killer like yeah. and we all pretty, go a little crazy sometimes we do it's very like lizzie borden-esque is what kind of what you think lizzie borden would have been like or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah and that leads us to our final questions for the month. And so, Thomas, um, what are some movies that we might have missed that you wanted to shout out here? So I, I already I already shouted out a lot of kind of uh, other things outside of slashers on our on our Patreon episode. But one one we talked about over there that I think was really interesting. You and I both watched Fade to Black, which is kind of a slasher, but from similar to Pearl, you're you're watching it from the slasher's point of view and you're and you're you're watching yeah. kind of his his journey 
to get to that point. Um, I also really like, uh, I've, I'll say it, I've said it multiple months, Black Christmas is, is one of my favorite slashers, and it goes against almost everything we've talked about here and that you have <laughs> absolutely no idea who the killer is, and I think that's yeah. what makes it so scary. <laughs> yeah that that is a a scary movie that that actually uh does scare me so yeah and and, and also like just a gorgeous looking film like Mm -hmm. just with the the christmas look of it very 70s um somebody would suggest uh one to go with like the giallo influence this this month i would say go watch deep red by Mm -hmm. dario Argento. Mm -hmm. um streaming and lost services canopy shutter Pluto Hoopla, uh, really, really phenomenal score. I listen to that score so much. It's, it's like, go check it out. It's, it's like, even just like listen to the score. Like it's, it's, it's a great score. And I think it's a great kind of mystery kind of slasher, proto slasher movie. Um, I'll, I'll throw these out again. Um, we've talked about Nightmare on Elm Street before with, with our Wes Craven mm-hmm. stuff. If you like Nightmare on Elm Street, Go watch Dream Warriors and go watch New Nightmare. I keep pushing New Nightmare <laughs> I to love people. New Nightmare. I love New Nightmare. Go watch New Nightmare if you can. Um, and I, I'll I'll throw in um, uh, Candyman as well. Oh no, Candyman! I'll throw in because I really like Candyman. Um, and also another, another series, at least the first two, Slumber Party Massacre. Hmm. It it's uh. Talk about a, it's a franchise that literally switches up, especially the second one, uh, switches up like what the like the the killer and stuff is in both movies. It's interesting. I think I think Slumber Party Massacre is part of the '80s horror thing on Criterion right now, um, but it's also streaming other places. But Slumber Party Massacre Two is like it's a uh, the killer is like guitar wielding like drill. Like the top, the guitar is like a drill at the end. That's how he kills people. And he <laughs> sings songs as he's doing it. It's kind of insane, but it's also one of those early horror franchises. Like it's both, they're both directed by women. Um, Amy Holden Jones, the first one. And I think Deborah Brock did the second one. Um, and there's also a third one that I've yet to see. That's probably available somewhere. Um, I think they just did a remake of it too, but it's like one of those early, like horror franchises that was like directed and went by, written by women. So go check it out if you can. Um, and then finally, Thomas, what did you learn this month regarding the genre? I mean, kind of diving into the the mystery DNA of it was really interesting to me because it's something yeah. I've always liked. Like I've always preferred the slashers that have a little bit of a mystery to mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. It's it's part of the reason why I've always loved the Scream franchise uh, because yeah. they, they do pull off like really good murder mysteries, and and the whole franchise is always committed to being a murder mystery, but. But to really kind of dive back into it and realize like that's exactly where these movies come from. It's just let's take a, a murder mystery and then let's actually haze code it up. Let's show the murders. And then it just mm-hmm. keeps snowballing until you get these movies that are like, ah, forget the murders part. Let's let's forget the mystery part. Let's just do the murders uh, is, is one of those really funny things. You you one of those funny kind of genre trend change and evolution things that you see once you once you start to look into everything yeah that was the big thing too is yeah just saying like when done well with that mystery element like you have to have some sort of plot there mm-hmm. to get you from point a to point b which is i know sounds crazy for a movie to have a plot <laughs> um but yeah i think that was that was somewhat surprising because I, I said before early in the month it's like 
I thought things like Scream and 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 I think Happy Birthday to Me is another one. It I thought it was atypical for it to be like a mystery. Mm-hmm. But then you begin to realize that that's more like there's always a mystery element to it. Um and, and I used to talk about the how the genre of like where it spur it could spur from murder mysteries, it could spur from um the giallos, those paperbacks or whatever, like almost like pulpy kind of novels. Um I wasn't expecting this much. Also, just again, in comparison, say looking at Texas Chainsaw and those movies to to this, it's interesting just seeing the evolution of the genre and how it goes through different phases um, throughout the years, like many genres do. I mean, but in a similar fashion as, say, like the Western, it's like somewhat dies off, it runs dry, and then something happens and it kind of reinvents itself. Mm-hmm. And so it's constantly finding new ways. Um, uh, filmmakers find new ways to kind of how can I tell a horror film? in my version in this new era of filmmaking if it's if it's a trying to make an elevated horror or it's a direct answer and, and almost the antithesis of an elevated horror it's it's an interesting kind of makeup and world that we're seeing because slashers now especially coming from say a24 it's very different when looking in, in the kind of makeup of midsummer and hereditary and those type films mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's that's interesting fun to see i think um, but yeah, I think that's it for our, our slasher month. Um, be sure to check out our pre- Patreon episode. We just released our first one this past week. More to come in November. And speaking of November, next month is Noirvember. And for those who don't know, it's a, it's a month where you celebrate film noir from any decade. And we've done noir on here. We've done neo-noir. We're going to do something different this 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 year for November. We're going to do a, a, a genre, a subgenre called neon noir. So very 70s 80s influenced but you've had a lot of more more recent ones that are also neon noir we haven't figured out our schedule yet we're gonna do that soon so be prepared for that announcement but it is coming um but that's it for this month on slashers um if you have any questions for us feel free to contact us at sinationpodcast at gmail.com send us your questions comments kind words and if you're a new listener of the show or if you're a fan of the show and you've been a fan of the show for a while and for some reason you don't subscribe, you just wait for me to post it online, subscribe if you can. Uh, it helps us out to kind of see the numbers and everything. Uh, it helps you step down all of our new episodes that are being released on our main channel. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform. You know, if, if you've seen the movie Pearl... You see that that she doesn't let anyone stand in her way to becoming a star. I'm not going to let anyone stand in our way to getting this to be a five star (laughs) podcast. I'm not threatening you, but, you know, help us out. Leave us a review. Tell your friends, tell your family. um, I I don't know, like gift them a link as a treat for Halloween. I don't know what we do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just spread the word. Uh, and finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.